Hi, I'm Brooks Robertson, and this is Coffee Talk. Hello, and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk for you. This week, we're joined by Berkeley guitar alum and our most recent addition to our faculty, Brooks Robertson. Brooks is a leading performer of fingerstyle guitar who won Lee Rittenauer's Six String Theory Award and got a full scholarship to Berkeley. He's been hailed by folks like Noki Edwards, Tom Bresch, and has recorded duets with John Stanford as well as Buster B. Jones, his former teacher. Brooks has been featured on Fingerstyle Journal and has published many of his own teaching courses online. As always, a lot of this content will also be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Brooks Robertson. I'm Kim Perlack. I'm the chair of the guitar department at Berkeley College of Music, and welcome to another Coffee Talk. Um, today I have my Berkeley guitar department mug, so I'm ready to go. Um, and I'm here with Cheryl Bailey, our assistant chair. Coffee cheers, Cheryl. I have water today, but I had, I roasted some Robusta, this, and I drank it this right. morning, and that has twice the caffeine, so I feel pretty good. Cheryl, are you going to be bringing that somehow into the... I, yeah, I, I could smuggle some in. <laughs> we might need that as the semester progresses. I'm just saying, you know. Um, Ian Steed, our senior coordinator, is here, as usual. Hey, folks. Hey, all. Hey, Ian. Um, and our guest today is Brooks Robertson, our brand new faculty member, our newest member of the faculty who is an alum of the guitar department. And um, we're just really excited that you're here. Like, welcome, Brooks. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for asking me to be on Coffee Talk. I'm, I've been excited. I couldn't sleep at all last night because I was thinking about it so much, but I try to not be uh, too nervous at this point. But the coffee doesn't really help the nerves, actually, believe it or not. It's a good point. It's a good point. What are, what are you drinking today? Are, are you, uh, did you make coffee in the office this morning? I did. I just made a fresh cup of coffee in the guitar department. I got mm -hmm. it right here. And I got a mug my first week. I got a mug over at uh, Trident Booksellers because I figured that would be a good thing to have here, you know, to, to keep around. So yeah, I'm getting very caffeinated at this point. It's a nice mug. So yeah, we expanded everyone. We came back. We always had a nice coffee setup, but now we've got two different options. We have the Nespresso and we have the Keurig. So what do you go for, Brooks? Do you go for strength or volume when you're in the office? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I've been, yeah, I mean, I fill up this mug. I've just been drinking black coffee as of recently. And um, yeah, it seems to do the trick. But I actually haven't tried out the espresso machine yet. I need to. I need to do that at some point. Yeah, you need to do that. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> so, Brooks, you have really been on our faculty now for for just weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's so been incredible so far. Interesting, because usually we ask people about their first days at Berkeley. So, um, can you talk about? your memories of your first days as a student here and then can you also kind of talk about how it feels now to be in the beginning of your time as a teacher right absolutely well i remember the first time that i ever came to berkeley was before i was a student or knew that i was going to be a student and i came to say hi to guy van Duser because i've known guy since i was 12 years old um, I met him at the Chet Atkins Appreciation Society convention in Nashville when I was 12. Um, and I, my teacher, Buster B. Jones, introduced me to Guy. And so I kind of got to know Guy over the years. And I have just been, I was visiting Boston for the first time, probably over 10 years ago. Um, and as I said, at that time, I had no idea I would actually have the opportunity to be a Berkeley student. But I came and visited Guy and I actually came into this exact room and got to say hi to him. And, and he was so nice. He even let me hang out for a bit and talk to him and play a little bit. And then 
it wasn't until several years later um, that I had the opportunity to come to Berkeley as a student. And so I'm trying to remember my first day. I lived in the 98 Hemingway dorms my first semester. And I slept like on the top bunk bed with <laughs> there were two other guys that I shared the room with who are really great guys. And I'm trying to remember my first day. I really can't remember the first day exactly, but I felt like um, it was a real whirlwind from the time that I started all the way until I finished like seven semesters later. It was a little bit of a blur because it was very busy and um, I took the maximum, well, I don't know if it was the maximum, but I did about 16 credits every semester. Um, and so I was, I felt very busy and it just went by so fast, but I really loved my whole experience at Berkeley. Um, everything from harmony classes to ear training, of course, being in the guitar department and doing ensembles and lessons. Um, so I really, I loved my experience at Berkeley as a student. I remember when I graduated, I felt like wow, I have a lifetime worth of material now to go through and to really dig into. And I, it will probably always feel like that. Um, and now for the last little bit over a month, being an assistant professor here, it's been incredible. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's hard to describe, like just um, three or four years after graduating, you know, having the opportunity to come back and teach here has been amazing. I definitely feel like all those experiences of being a guitar student are still pretty fresh for me. So I remember sort of the, you know, what it was like to be in different ensembles, prepare for those, or take different guitar lessons with different instructors and prepare for, for example, proficiency. All that's pretty fresh still, which has been helping me, I think, to just sort of put myself in the student's shoes a bit. And yeah, overall, it's just, it's been wonderful. So Brooks, a couple questions came to mind as you were talking, and um, I think that we could go in a lot of different directions with with a lot of things. But one thing I was thinking about first was that when you came to Berkeley as a student, you had had a career that was a mm -hmm. long career because you really started as a professional at a very young age. If you were a, a kid, like not just like, oh, you're a kid, like, oh, you're a young adult. No, you were actually a kid when you started yeah. your professional career. And then um, when I first came into contact with your playing and stuff, it was because um, I know you had played with a lot of our faculty and our colleagues when you were really young, but you did mm -hmm. a competition um, that Lee Rittenauer puts out called the Six String Theory Competition. Right. For a long time, I was a judge and so was Larry Bayonne. And um, one of the prizes that people can choose from the competition if you win is to come to Berkeley. And so you came to Berkeley as a very seasoned professional. And so I found it really interesting and fun when you came because I felt like you're in the position that a lot of faculty are in, where it's like your time at Berkeley, whatever it is, is a continuation. It's like a lifelong learning, right? Absolutely. But because you, you came to this with the perspective of having had one phase of your professional career, at an incredibly high level. I wonder what did it, did you feel like, I mean, from your perspective, how did having your career sort of on the front end in one part of it influence the way that you were a student? Like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Because like you already kind of had been on stage and you'd been on records and you'd been on tour and, and you'd done all those things. And so now you're coming and I remember one of our first conversations, you, you had a list of things where, that you felt were gaps. And you're like, okay, I wanna be in this group because I love Jerry Reed's music and Chet Atkins music, but like, I wanna learn to read and I wanna learn to improvise and I wanna learn right. this about my technique. Like, it, I felt like you had a list of like, okay, here's what's propelled me so far, but here are the things that are gaps. And I think that maybe your perspective, if you would talk about it for a while, would be helpful to people who are trying to figure out how to manage their own education because you already kind of knew what you needed out there. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And I, uh, when what I first, yeah, when I first started as a freshman at Berkeley, I was 26 years old, which is older than most people when they graduate, I would say probably on average. And I had been playing and, and doing a lot of things, yeah, since I was a kid. And so for me, I felt like it was a real advantage just personally 
not that it was an advantage over other people, but just for myself, it was nice that I, I had a lot of time before coming to Berkeley to think about like, okay, what do I really want to work on? And what are my strengths and weaknesses? And how can I, you know, coming to Berkeley, I feel like you could learn anything you want with just about any instrument um, or with music. And so that can be kind of overwhelming. So for me, I just tried to prepare ahead of time a little bit of like, what are the things I know I want to, I want to learn about, like you said, Kim, those different gaps that I kind of knew I had. Um, but then also just identifying like, what are the things that uh, I can kind of bring to the table that I'm good at that are my strengths? Cause don't, obviously don't want to forget about those. Just want to build on top of those. Um, so for me, like I was, I would say I was a little more mature than some of the students just because of my age and also having experience and hanging around also a lot of uh, musicians who are older than me and a lot better than me. Um, I just sort of, I came into it just and I gave it a hundred percent every day, like no matter the class, even if it was a liberal arts class about art theft at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, I was like a hundred percent into it uh, just as much, you know, as, as any other class. So I tried to just give it 100%. I took notes like a madman in every class. Like at home, I have huge stacks of just, I would write down everything any teacher wrote on the board. If they like wrote an example of something, even if I didn't quite get it or didn't click or something, I would just write it down. And so I have it. And because I was always thinking to myself, like this is, you know, my experience as a student here is going to come to an end at some point. And so, I want to just be able to take the step with me and continue to study it. So I think it helped to just be focused on what I want to work on, go to every class with an open mind and just give it a hundred percent. And then, yeah, I didn't really, I was, I was just focused on school the whole time, really. I mean, I was able to do several, I was able to still do some gigs and I was lucky to do um, some concerts for the school in different capacities and so I was able to keep playing a bit but really I just sort of I just focused and dove in 100% on you know everything with being a Berkeley student and I think I got the most you know I got a lot out of it by doing that um, some of the things at this point I've probably forgotten <laughs> a lot of things but like I said I feel like I've got a great catalog of stuff I can go back my own notes and there's so many there's so many resources too to go back and, and keep learning, but I just I've always um, I've always enjoyed being a student and just learning new things and to some degree enjoy practicing and that kind of thing actually a lot. Uh, so I just found it the whole experience was really fun and it was like it was never a dull moment. Um, and then, as I was sort of saying earlier, by the time I finished, it felt like it went by in a, a blink of an eye. Brooks, can you think of specific lessons that you learned at Berkeley that reinforced something that you had learned by being out in the professional community or being out on the road? Mm. Well, I mean, some of the performance type stuff, like when, when I would get a chance to do some performing with the, the Chet Atkins Jerry Reed Ensemble, um, or any kind of performance, I got a few recitals at the school. I already kind of knew like, okay, you need to be there ahead of time. You need to like be there to do a sound check. You need to make sure you have an extra string, has got a tuner, have a cable with you. You know, things like that, that actually went a long way because some of that, I won't name any names, but I had classmates who like would show up to the gig and like, does anybody have a cable? You know, and then it's like, we're going on in five minutes, come on. And so, um, that kind of stuff was reinforced. But of course, the, the professors I had were all giving tips about the stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'm used to doing that or something. Um, even simple things like like taping my charts together. Like, and when I was in the Jerry Reed Chet Atkins Ensemble, Rick Peckham would always tell us like, tape your charts together, you know? And I had done that a little bit before when I was doing some stuff with my friend, John Standifer who's in Vancouver, Washington. That's where I first got into doing that. And uh, I know it probably seems simple for some people watching. And I, like I said, all of you kind of like smile and shake your head that, because then I don't lose a page or something and I can like practice it in order I can do. So yeah, there were a lot of things that kind of 
I had been exposed to before just from playing gigs and that kind of thing that were reinforced at Berkeley and helped me. Even stuff like when I was younger and I would do gigs, sometimes I would, you know, not be really prepared in terms of the gear I had or getting to the gig ahead of time. Like some, I'm sure everybody's been there, like you, you're running late and then something happens on the way to the gig and you're like so stressed out. And so that's something that really stresses me out is that if I, I want to be prepared and get there early and that kind of thing. So those experiences from doing gigs and that kind of thing uh, as a young adult, I kind of just brought that to like my whole approach at Berkeley and make sure I'm at, you know, any class on time and kind of prepared and, and that kind of thing. There's more I'm forgetting about too. But on the other side of that, I think some people would be listening to this if they know who you are and they would say like, well, why did that guy even go to college? Like he had a career. I mean, he has a career. Mm -hmm. He could have a career for the rest of his life. What, can you put your finger on maybe one or two things or maybe there's a bigger way of framing it for you. How does it feel now after you've had a college experience where maybe you did get into some things deeper that were a little outside of your main style? Like how does that affect your playing moving forward and the way you are professionally? So I felt like there were so many things um, with being a student at Berkeley that I normally would have probably never done if I hadn't gone to Berkeley or a music college, like for example, reading, learning to read. Like I knew, I knew how to the basics of like figuring out the, the note names on the staff. I sort of knew some basic rhythms, but I never really felt like I knew how to just even read basic stuff. And so doing classes here, like ear training, I felt like I learned so much. And MAT is where I started out in my harmony classes. Um, just learning, like reinforcing a lot of those basics. Cause I had, I knew some stuff, but I had so many gaps. Um, and so those type of classes, I actually got a lot out of doing ear training. Um, I really loved all the harmony classes so much. Um, I just really have a passion for chords and harmony and just cool sounding progressions. And so I felt like uh, some of the harmony classes, I, a little bit of it was a review, tiny bit, but then there's so much more that was added in that I never would have dreamed of really understanding. And some of the things, like a lot of us, like we probably already, I had done a lot of the stuff. Maybe I had played this certain type of chord or progression, but I never really knew how it worked, how I could expand it, how could I morph that, how could I tweak it, do it in a different key or apply it somewhere else. Um, and then I mean, so there's just like dozens of classes that I felt that way about here. Um, ear training, harmony, doing the private guitar instruction lessons. Like one thing when I took lessons here, I was really lucky to, to study with, well, I studied with Lyle Brewer my first semester. I also studied with John Wheatley and Rick Peckham and um, Jack Pisanelli. And I felt they all gave me so much different stuff that I probably never would have normally studied and it was a real stretch for me um and a, a lot of it comes down to i kind of need a lifetime to just practice what one of them has given me you know but um i just learned so many new things and it definitely has it's absolutely affected how i how i approach playing and writing tunes and i feel like i've been doing i've always sort of written tunes and most of the time that used to just come from noodling around which it still does. That's how I write a lot of tunes is by noodling, noodling a little bit and finding an idea and then expanding on that. And I felt like after I, after I left from Berkeley and things started to click more, I had all these resources to, to really expand on, on knowing how to, to come up with ideas that I never really even thought about before. Um, so there's, I mean, those are a few of the ways that that it's kind of affected me after I've graduated. And I still feel like I've got to practice a lot more. <laughs> I'm sure we all feel like that. I think we all do. And I, I just have a couple more things that to lay the foundation here. And then I'm, I can tell Cheryl's got a lot on her mind, so I'm going to throw it over there. But a lot of students have this experience that you're having where you feel like at a certain point, your information collecting, right? 
because you have this opportunity in a very short amount of time to, to take a lot of classes. So how do you manage your collection of information? You said like, okay, there's some things that just have stacks and stacks of notebooks. How do you manage that as you're moving forward in your career and you're now you're teaching? How are you going through that stack of things that you knew that, okay, this is for the future? I need a better system, that's for sure. Like I really don't have a perfect system by any means. Um, the things that I that I go back a lot and have revisited, definitely a lot of my harmony classes, going back and you know checking in on things. I mean, some things are ingrained where I'll never forget. Some things that are just you know certain certain harmony um, topics about different types of chords. Like I just sort of feel like I have those rock solid. But then some things I'm I'm thinking sometimes, hmm, what was it that really cool move you could use in this tune? And then I'll go back and check things out. So I, I do have them organized pretty well. And uh, after I graduated, I, I went through like all my notes I had and I just organized them into little folders or like a binder with each different subject and just wrote, okay, spring 2017, Harmony 3. And then I just put everything that they gave me because they give out a lot of, you know, a lot of material too. And I just kept all of that. And so I've got a good library of stuff at home that I revisit, but I don't have a great system about how to go through it. And I, I have a problem with doing a little bit over here and then a little bit over here. So that's something I've got to work on a bit myself. Um, but it's funny because I feel like I've, there's, there's always been something I can look back on when I'm curious about something that I can check in on and say, oh yeah, right, we did cover this. Um, so that's, that's a personal thing with like practicing and being more organized. I got to work on too. You know, I better think, not be saying all this. I know. I think this is great. It's very honest. This is like, this is why people watch the show, right. And listen to it. Um, but I think one of the cool things, like, just as you're talking about these topics so far is it just comes across that you're a very happy person. You know, you mm -hmm. really love playing the guitar and learning it. And I mean, from what yeah. I understand from people who knew you for a long time, you know, you always kind of had that quality, right? As a kid, like you were really curious and very positive and then you worked really, really hard and you right. pulled a bunch of different things together and and you were like always willing to learn new things. And, and like now as a much older adult, you obviously have retained that. And yeah. I think sometimes what people don't understand that's so great about that is that if you look at that from a standpoint of professional development, like why wouldn't people hire you? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, you're going to be fun to work with. You're going to go with the flow. You're going to bring some cool ideas. You're going to work really hard on parts that might be weird. Mm -hmm. You're going to always be prepared for the gig. You're going to show up on time with your cable. You know what I mean? If something strange happens, you're probably going to be cool. You know, like, right. It just feels like, you know, and um, have you thought ever reflected on that? Like that, that quality that you fostered or maybe learned from older players or the adults in your life ended up being like a really good, like kind of career asset in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I never, I mean, I guess I thought about it a little bit. I'm, it probably comes from my mom, first and foremost. Like she is the most bubbly, bright positive person and I just kind of get that from her she's always smiling and um, and but like everybody there's times where you don't want to mess with me because I'm in such a bad mood or something right but I for the most part yeah I feel like I have a good attitude and and try to remain positive on stuff I mean of course everybody gets things that get them down or get you frustrated um but I just, I guess the people that I was always hanging around when I was younger, playing a lot, like my teacher, Buster B. Jones, um, some of his friends, like Noki Edwards um, and Tom Bresh and Bob Saxton, and a lot of these older like fingerstyle players, they always found that they were, they were really willing to share anything with like, younger players. And they just, they weren't trying to, 
to keep any secrets for themselves. Like they just wanted to, they'd be happy to show you something or show you how to play something. And so that also, I really just picked up from them. And I, I got sort of got into doing my first little bit of teaching um, with my teacher, Buster B. Jones. Like he would go out and do different festivals and things. And he would give like a clinic or something. And I would be his assistant as like a teenager. He'd say, all right, we're going to work on this like right-hand technique. And here, you call me B. He's like, B, show him how that sounds. You know, and I would just play it. And then he's like, okay, good, stop. And then he'd keep talking and he'd say, okay, show him how to do this. And so that's kind of where I got into my first experience of teaching. And then I just realized like, I really love this. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's cha it's challenging for sure. Like it makes you have to learn more and keep yourself up with what you're doing. Um, but I always just try to bring that approach. Like I'm happy to just share anything I can that I learned. And I mean, uh, I feel like I, I only know the tip of the iceberg of a lot of things, but it's always exciting to share those things with other people. So yeah, it keeps me pretty happy. <laughs> Um, Cheryl, what, what do you think? What are you thinking about right now with, with everything that Brooks laid out? Yeah, well, a lot of things. Um, well, I mean, you know, I was really lucky to, to come up around older musicians and always had that feeling that people were really happy to share because they want the, they just want the music to share the music and, and keep it going. Right. So I think that's a really <laughs> amazing that you had that experience um and also uh, well I was thinking I had my head around the taking the notes and um I did that as well at Berkeley because there was some point where I realized you know that there's certain things about your development you can't rush they're mm -hmm. you know it's going to be ready when it's ready to do do you know when you're ready to do it what, what, whatever that could be so I realized okay if I take really good notes that moment when I'll be ready the information will be there for me and um and I think that's so important um for instance when I, I teach the harmonic considerations class I took meticulous notes and when I went to teach it when they asked me to teach it, it was really amazing I was really excited and I went back to my notes and then I realized that everything in that book, all my notes were things that I used every day, you know, and that was a great feeling to go like, oh man, you know, really having that archive. But it, then it was, it was so easy to, you know, well, the curriculum's already there. I wrote it 20 years ago, whatever, when I was a student, really, you know, like just transcribing everything. So I think that's great. And I, you know, always encouraging students to have that also that extra sensory mm -hmm. um, stimulus to, to look and write. I think that's a big part. Do you, do you learn a lot that way? Or do you, I mean, besides your Berkeley, like things that you do, are you this kind of person that writes things out or do you take things in maybe more by rote or a combination of mm -hmm. Probably for me, a combination, um, but I do tend to, for some reason, I just like writing things down by hand too. Um, it may not be so like the most efficient, like I know I could probably do more things just on my computer or something, but I like, yeah, I like writing things down by hand, especially, I don't know, especially when I was taking notes for classes. Um, there'd be, and there'd be a combination of stuff in certain classes where you need to write something that's in notation, like they write something up a melody and then you need to write the chords and then you need to write some text and so I always found that it was just really easy for me to do it you know by hand um yeah I tend to do that a lot I like to just rewrite things out a lot by hand basically that's really interesting I think that the paper connection means a lot Mm -hmm. A lot of people, do you feel like it gets in your mind more when you write it out by hand? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like you just reinforce it. Yeah. And I always, I found even well before I was a, a college student here at Berkeley, like I would go to guitar lessons. Uh, I was so lucky to have a lot of great teachers along the way. And I would go to lessons and like 15 minutes into it, they would be giving me some really invaluable, important information about something. And in that moment, it was totally clicking. I thought like, I get this, you know? 
And then like 45 minutes went by, I talked about a bunch of other stuff. And even by the time I like went out to my car after the lesson to drive home, some of it had just slipped away. And I thought, cause I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily record a lot of stuff. I know some students do that and like they'll record the audio or a video. Um, and so that's another reason I try to take a lot of notes is because I found then I would go home and maybe it was a couple of days or a week before I actually decided to practice, I shouldn't be saying this, decided to practice what I was supposed to do for the lesson. And at that point, so much time had passed, it was really hard to remember, okay, what was that really important thing I was supposed to remember? And so that for me is like one of the big reasons I always wrote it down because then I could just go back and check like, oh, there it is. Um, and so I've just, I've always taken that approach ever since. Brooks, do you feel like there are new things that you're working on now? Like, are, what are you getting into now that makes you really curious that you're kind of inspired to do that kind of work with? Mm. Well, a lot of things. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to work on, on more original tunes. That's something I've been working on. And that goes all over in, in several different directions. Um, I feel like there's just so much that I, I still want to learn about chords and scales and harmony and improvisation and writing and arranging. And sometimes it feels like some days I feel like, oh, I know a lot. And some days I feel like, oh my gosh, what am I even doing? Do I even know any of this? It's, and I mean, it's just from day to day because there's so much in any field like you, it's one of those things kind of the more you, you find out about it's just the picture gets bigger and bigger. But these days, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've also been doing a lot of teaching um, at home, online, through like Zoom lessons and through a true fire platform. So I've just, I've, I've been probably doing more teaching than I have been playing and practicing. And that's like, I found, I'm trying to still figure out how to balance that. Um, and so, yeah, these days, the things I'm working on the most are just some new tunes I'm writing that are every single one of them, I seem to get to a roadblock and then I leave it for a while, come back to it. So I'm, I'm really trying to just get more original tunes in mind going. And that's just come from, they're all built upon other great tunes that I learned from my teacher Buster or Chet Atkins or Jerry Reed. Uh, they're really all influenced by those great players that I I really have spent a lot of time just emulating all these people I really looked up to and Tommy Emmanuel. So now it's exciting because I kind of am able to build upon all that, but do my own thing more and more. I don't know where it's going though. <laughs> that's exciting. That's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. I think also that's good for young players to hear that it's okay when you don't know where things are going that's part of the adventure mm -hmm. of this and and maybe sometimes you are uncomfortable when you're learning new things and and it's not like you hit a certain level and then you're never uncomfortable again it's like you just right. kind of learn how to be comfortable with that discomfort of learning but the good parts too right absolutely yeah um ian i'm gonna throw it over to you and there's a question you always ask and you can ask it, but, and if you have other things on your mind, just keep going. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, first of all, I really, uh, identified with a, some of the stuff you were saying, like as coming as an older student and, mm -hmm. um, like about what you got out of it. Right. Because the question Kim asked was like, you know, if you've ha if you have all this experience, et cetera, like why even come here, you know? And I think, you like hit the nail on the head. You were like, talked about the harmony and the ear training stuff. And it's like, this stuff was developed for people with experience to think mm -hmm. about it in a different way, right? Like, and that's the cool thing about Berkeley is like, um, you know, this, like the core music that you have to take, like the harmony that you study, the ear training is not the same as it is in a conservatory. You know, it's not made for musicians who are just playing Brahms. Brahms is awesome and you have to study that too but you know like it's meant for musicians like you you know that like have experience and you know to come back like to your writing that you were talking about and like you know 
it's interesting. Like we have these moments where you go through a period where you're trying to write original stuff and it's hard to come up with things or, but like the cool thing is like a lot of these things that you learn are like this extensive, just wealth of like ideas and seeds to keep like, to keep going on it. Right. And, and like you right. pull apart these tunes and it's like, well, it looked like, you know, Steve Swallow did this on this tune or whatever. And that's like such an invaluable thing. Right. Um, but yeah, sorry. I don't mean to <laughs> rant no, here. But no. Like there's a, um, there's, yeah, there's a question that we ask everybody on this podcast, which is, uh, which is interesting now that you're like, probably you talked about your memory of being a guitar guitar student here is so fresh and you're the mm -hmm. most recent person probably that we've even talked to that's like an alum. And it's funny that you're teaching now, but the question is, is like, what's something that students should be asking or thinking about as a student that they might not think to ask, right? The question mm -hmm. that's sort of in their blind spot. Ooh, gosh, that's a good, that's a really good question. I might have to think about that for a moment, but, and I don't, I'm not trying to dodge the question, I promise. But I am thinking too that one thing just along the same lines is that I think if people who are, are students here, it, like when they have a question, I think that's, I know that I've been in, the, I'm sure we've all been here, like we're in a class and the teacher's doing something and then something doesn't really click and we sort of want to raise our hand but then we look around and there's other like classmates who are like mm, no i should know this or like people are going to think that i don't know what i'm i shouldn't be in this classroom so i think that if you have a question in the class or something about making not making sense like just raise your hand and ask about it even if you're not quite sure because other people have the same question for sure and you want to make sure that that clicks and the teacher is hundred percent happy to go over it again with you to show it to you um so i had for a while i think that actually when i came in as a student i was pretty much just if i had a question i just no matter how silly i felt like it was or simple or advanced i would just ask it and um it always helped me out and then other people probably were wondering the same thing so i know that doesn't answer the question about what they should be thinking about but i would say as a piece of advice for any Berkeley student, like if you have questions, this is the time and the place to ask them. Do you know what I mean? Unless you want to be emailing like five years, six years later, your harmony teacher or your guitar teacher to tell you about what that thing was like, just go for it and ask questions. Um, and so that I felt like I got a lot out of just going for it and just saying like, hey, I don't understand this. Can you help me? And then it really made a big difference. Brooks, that's actually a great that's the best advice right there. I mean, I always say those that ask the most questions get the most answers. So, you know, right. you, you come there and that you really, for, for you to say that, I think is really important for the students to hear because they do have this thing of, they're scared to ask it, but, but probably, you know, three other people have the same question. But, but I, you know, I also feel that when the student asks a question, you also help the teacher teach yeah. you because you know, they don't know what you don't know. And then that can open that doorway to op maybe it opens another discussion or, or when you see, oh, well, there are several people that don't, that have the same question. Maybe we need to just step back from what we're working on here and address that. And I think, I think that's right. actually the magic that happens in a classroom when those students mm -hmm. ask those questions. So I'm really glad that <laughs> that was your answer because that's the most important thing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think that's great. And I think the other thing that relates to what you just said and what Cheryl said is you went through and you're talking about your experience as a student and you talked about giving 100% when you're in harmony and when you're in ear training and when you're in liberal arts. And so many times I think when students come to school and they're overwhelmed by all the things that you have to learn when you're there, people are like, yeah. why am I in this? Like, why am I in harmony for? Like, what am I doing in there? Why am I doing solfege in, in ear training? And, or, you know, MAT, it's like, it's, it's like just the basics or whatever. But you didn't have that experience. You found 
all kinds of excitement and value in those things that related directly to your career and the same with liberal arts. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could talk about that with each of those topics, like with harmony, ear training and liberal arts, like what did you take that you can mm -hmm. think about that really helped you? Yeah, I sort of feel like everything, I got something out of everything. I know that's an easy way to say it, but when I was a student here, I did professional music uh, I, I remember like the months and months leading up to coming to Berkeley and I, I was on the Berkeley webpage all like scouring it all the time, trying to figure out like, okay, what are my options? Like, what are the majors? Do I want to do? And I, I, I was torn between doing something like songwriting or composition or maybe film scoring or maybe performance. And I just felt like, gosh, I really, there's several of these that sound interesting to me. And so I then I don't remember it was maybe my first semester or something I sort of heard about pro music where you could maybe take several of those topics and like delve into them, um, you know, like partially in, in different fields. So I just immediately knew, okay, this, that's going to work for me. Cause I don't, I want to do a little bit of this, but I also want to do. So for example, I wanted to do some CWP writing production. I also wanted to do some music business classes some performance and so just my first semester I said okay I think that's what I want to do and I went and I uh, talked to Sean Hagen who was the chair of pro music at that point and just said okay like sign me up I know this is this is the path I want to be on and, and so that was helpful because he he kind of laid out for me okay here's how this works and and so I ended up studying some CWP classes which I got some courses about Finale, or no, excuse me, not Finale, um, Pro Tools and Logic and that kind of thing. I had some classes, I took several arranging classes, like arranging one and two and chord scales for arranging. And um, so I did several things in that vein. And then I also did some music business classes, like intro to music business, like publishing and different licensing things. Uh, within Pro Music, we had to do sort of artist entrepreneur type of classes and professional development things and and meanwhile of course like those are those are maybe more specific to the different topics i was trying to study but meanwhile of course like ian was saying you have to do all the core classes you get to do all the core classes so the ear training i mean i felt like ear training i learned a ton about reading notation and reading rhythms and uh, it was not comfortable at first for me to want to sing in front of my classmates because um, I just felt like, but I was able to just get over that pretty quickly. And so I felt like every level of ear training, one, two, three, four. And then I also did the, these two like harmonic ear training classes where we did more about chord progressions and, and that kind of thing. Every one of those, I got different things out of. And, and of course they all built upon each other. Um, and there were things in ear training classes that would overlap with other things, like things I was doing in my guitar lessons, maybe things I was doing in harmony. So there's so much overlap in a good way. Everything's connected and there's such a good system here. So, uh, yeah, ear training, I think it's, it sounds funny to say it, but it really helped my ear a lot and my reading rhythms and writing notation. Um, same thing with, I did MAT, where I got a lot of, there was a lot of review, but there was a lot of things that I just didn't know about, basics that I just never really knew or never understood. And then, of course, I did like Harmony 1, or no, that is Harmony 1, Harmony 2, 3, 4, which I got so much out of all those classes. And again, those same things from Harmony were overlapping with your training or what I was doing in my ensemble or what I was doing in my private lesson. Um, now I'm forgetting the, the other core classes that we have to do. Um, I, I'm forgetting about some of them, but then like even though liberal arts, I was able to do things that were all, it was all music related, which was great. Maybe with the exception of like one art history class I took that was really fun still, but I was able to do some music acoustics classes for liberal arts where I learned about acoustics and recording. Um, and so to me, it all 
it all blends together. It all fits together. And there's a lot of overlap between the different core classes. And it's just laid out in such a great system. That's part of it too. Like you were saying, Kim, that some people might be wondering, like, what am I going to do with this? Well, you just sort of hang in there to those people. And like, it's, you know, it laid out in a very great structure in a way that makes sense. Um, and at this point, I'm just rambling. <laughs> Help me. You're, you're not rambling. <laughs> uh, I lost my train of thought for a second there. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I think that's what I wanted you to talk about a little bit, because I think it's really cool when you can see the connections between things. Because mm -hmm. that really helps on the hard days, right? Like on the good days, everything just feels really interesting and really fun. But like when it gets to like this time in the semester, it's like week six or week five. And it's like, oh my goodness, like I've bitten off all mm -hmm. of these courses. You know, I think it's important to, to know that there are a lot of connections. Maybe you don't see all the connection points right away at that moment, but all these things are helping. And I think it's mm -hmm. great that you're, as you're saying rambling, but I don't think anybody thinks that. Um, because what you're doing is you're making connections as you're talking as a person who like, you know, went out into the world first and then you came to school. And so you can see, you know, more directly, like for some people, it's like, will this pay off? And you can see like, I know how this is going to pay off because I've already mm -hmm. been there. And if I had this, that could have been easier. So now moving forward, you have all the experience, right? So I think that's great. I mean, I'd say ramble away is what I'd say. Careful. Um, <laughs> um, Cheryl, what are you thinking about at this point in the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, for you to come or go back to school, you know, in the as your career is going on, I mean, that says so much about your love for studying and, and your, and also your, um, your, yeah, your passion for playing the guitar and learning and getting better all the time. Like it never, it never ends. And just like the older musicians who really influenced you, right? I mean, maybe that's a part of it. Those folks are always like learning and sharing information all the time. You know, it's, it's really, um, it's a continuum, you know? So thinking about where, you know, what we were just saying about, oh, sometimes people go, why do I have to study this, this or that? And, and having faith, a lot of so much of playing music and being a musician professionally even is sometimes that act of faith of like, all right, you know, I, I can't, I don't know what this is right now and that's okay. I think that kind of came up earlier too, to see maybe even professionally we're in those situations too. Like, I don't know, what's going to happen, but that's okay. You know, um, cause you're going to approach it with that curiosity and also that integrity of, you know, giving a hundred percent all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of leads you to your next place that you go, but, you know, studying those things like ear training and writing and reading, they really make a whole picture of a musician, you know? So absolutely. I feel like a lot of the, just about everything also that I, I learned from being a student. And I was also, while I was a student, I was also trying to observe what my teachers were doing uh, to see like, what are the things I think that are, you know, what are things I like that certain teachers do? What are things that I feel like, okay, maybe that's not what I want to do or something when I give a lesson and everybody's different with, with how they do things. But um, I just felt like I learned a lot as a teacher even or like I learned a lot of skills that helped me a lot as a teacher from being a student here too if that makes sense I mean in, in some things like reading and writing um, you know nowadays I do for students I have I'm able to like okay I can write out a transcription of this or this song as long as it's an easy one um, and those kind of skills like have helped me a lot or just being able to be able to kind of look at things from different perspectives to help describe it to different people. Um, so I feel like that, that also is so huge for me. It's just uh, learning a lot as a student, but then it was just building up more and more skills for me to use as a teacher too, which is exciting. 
yeah, you know, the other thing that we've been talking about a lot lately is this idea that to have this recognition or this awareness that your life and music has a whole lot of different parts to it over time, right? And I think mm -hmm. it's really hard if if you don't embrace that because then at some point when the when a certain part of your life is changing or you know like we're all going through these periods of change now right but but like you could think well that's not who i am anymore you know like if you if you're a teacher now but you were on the road for a good part of your career are you still yourself you know because like oh i'm not that person anymore that's up on stage all, all the time and, um, mm -hmm. you know, from where Cheryl and I sit, we watch a lot of people kind of go through this like self-examination a lot as their life changes, you know, like I was this in music and that became a lot of who I am. And now I do this other thing and I'm, am I still myself? And I think what's really cool about what you did was you really, like Cheryl was saying, you had the courage to like come off of this whole part of your life, like your entire young adult life. Yeah. was having this career and this identity as that I'm the guy who does this. And then you're able to come to school and say like, well, what if I'm the guy who does this, but also I want to do this other thing. And it's not yeah. like those were the good old lost days and you don't know who you are anymore. And now it's like, wow, that was really cool. And you know what else is cool is what I'm doing now, which I find equally respectful and valued in my life. And now I'm going to like bring things together and move on. And I think everyone, if they're honest, has the experience where your life changes and maybe your talent is like, okay, it's professionally honored in this way. And then, oh, there's this other professional avenue over here, but you're, you have to retain who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you seem like you've been able to do that. And, um, I'm wondering if how, how that feels to you as you've done that in different part of your parts of your life. Yeah, I feel like I can relate to that. Um, just like you said, where I felt like I, at one phase, I felt like I was just performing all the time. Um, and I sort of felt like that's what I would just be doing all the time. And then um, there's been other times where I was just hardly performing at all, especially as of recently with the, um, the pandemic and everything. And even even before that, where I felt like I was doing much more, still playing a lot, but I was doing way more teaching, giving lessons and doing courses and stuff than I was performing. Um, but I, I felt like it's still all connected. And it's just, it's just different facets um, of, of music. Like that's one of the things that I love the most about being able to, to teach guitar and music is just to always be involved with doing something with music which is to me so exciting um some days you know playing a lot and i'm talking about songs but then other days it's something totally different but it's all it's all music related and but but it is tough too like i have that feeling sometimes too where i'm like should i be trying to like book a bunch of gigs and go out on the road or should i just not worry about that anymore and just record more from home or this and so it's, I don't really know the right answer, <laughs> but it's all been really a fun part of the journey and process. And I just, it's always exciting. It's always fun. I mean, there's times, yeah, that it's, it's, it's tough or frustrating. Um, but, but I've always enjoyed doing just like trying out different things. That's great. That's great. Um, Ian, as our coffee kind of comes to an end today what what are you thinking about do you have any final thoughts yeah i mean i just think it's neat that like you know uh if the students are studying with somebody who's it's like so fresh in their mind and that also like the connection i mean it's so cool that like so many of the teachers here studied at berkeley and know the whole experience you know and you know, I did some studying at a community college, you know, like I did some stuff as a kid, but like when I was at a community college, like I had a teacher who was like, had perfect pitch and could play anything on the piano and was like a concert trombone player. 
And I just did not relate to this guy at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a really cool thing to like hear you talk about all this stuff. And like, it's such a relatable sort of arc of your, um, you know, your time here, your time after. And it's like a really cool thing that the students get to study with you, you know. Thanks, Ian. Hey, Cheryl, what about you? Yeah, I agree. We're so lucky to have you. And because I know what you teach comes out of your experience and, and your joy of playing the guitar. And that's what we're about, right? So we're happy to have you on our team. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. It's great. I mean, I think you you found your home. I'm so glad you did that competition. <laughs> I know, me too. Well, <laughs> I'm so that. glad that they had the foresight to make studying the guitar a prize of a guitar competition. That's brilliant. It right? is, and I think, I don't want to like, I, I know we're wrapping it up, but it also just goes to like, I remember when I first heard about this Lee Rittenauer six string theory. Mm-hmm. And that was around 2010. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you enter that? I said, no, like that'll never, no, I'm not gonna enter that contest. And they said, well, what is it? What do you do? And they said, well, the instructions say you just, you apply in a certain style, country, uh, classical, jazz, something like that, acoustic. And then you submit a few videos of yourself playing and you pay a fee, like 30 bucks or something to apply. And they said, just go for it, like try it. And so I listened to my friend and I did it. And then um, I, got, I was, they were updating the results about how many different people had applied. And, and then I got a, a notification like, congratulations, you're in sort of the semifinals or something. And then uh, I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, I don't know what's going to lead to this. And, and then I was selected as one of the finalists. There were maybe... I don't know, there were about 15 or something finalists in 2010, which was the first year they ever did the competition. And we all went to Santa Monica, California to perform live, like the final round was live. And uh, I remember that's where I met Larry Bayonne for the first time. He was one of the judges and like Steve Lukather and Lee Rittenauer and all these people were the judges. And so we performed a few songs, each of us in the different categories and that year I ended up being like the runner up in 2010. I was the second place. And the guy who got first place, his name was Sean Bobleal. He's an amazing Canadian classical guitarist. He was only 16 and he won that year. Like that was the grand prize was to come to Berkeley. And I, from my understanding, he came here and graduated and everything. And, and I was so thrilled to go that far. Like I had won the country category and I was runner up and it was an incredible experience. I mean, I got to meet all these great people to play for these people. I got a really nice Yamaha guitar, but I was like this close from going to Berkeley and it was kind of crushing. It crushed me a little bit. And I thought like for, for a year or so, I thought oh, I was so close, you know, to getting the chance to come to Berkeley. But then uh, the competition happened several years later. And it, if the rules were like, if you didn't win, you can apply again. And I just went for it. You know, I said, I'm going to do it again. And that's when I got um, I was, I didn't, I actually was never the grand, I was never the first place person of the competition, but in the, the, the later year I did it, which was like 2014, I think they opened it up so that like, if you were in the top 10 finalists, you could apply to Berkeley. And then there, there was like a selection process through Berkeley. And so that's, that's ultimately how it all happened for me to, to come here. And so it's just also, I feel like a, a story of, <laughs> It sounds funny, but sort of resilience and just trying. And you never know, like that's, you just have to put your best foot forward. You have to just try, even if you feel like it's a long shot or something, I think that you got to just go for it. And then the worst that's going to happen is that you're going to be in the same position you are when you started, but there's, you know, a lot of times you'd be surprised about like what opportunities can happen. So for, for students watching, I think just there's no thing too large to go after and just give it your all and try. And if it doesn't happen the first time, then that's the story of trying to get gigs or something too. If they decline you, like keep trying and keep, keep working at it. And if you just keep working hard, like things are going to happen. That is awesome advice. And it's a great thing for everybody to think about 
as you walk away. Maybe rewind that part and listen to it a few more times <laughs> before you you end the your experience with the podcast. But thank you, Brooks. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to to yeah. be on on well on the guitar department faculty, but also on the coffee talk. This is really fun. Yeah, and thanks for thanks to you for being with us in every way. Um, thank you, Cheryl. Good to see you. Coffee cheers and cheers to you, Ian. And um, we'll be with all of you on the next Coffee Talk.